back to Ticket Stubs and Cassette Tapes. I'm Andy and I'm your host. Make sure to check us out on Facebook and Twitter at Ticket Stubs and Cassette Tapes. You can also check out our YouTube channel as well at Ticket Stubs and Cassette Tapes. Wherever you're listening to us in podcast form, whether it be Spotify, Apple Music, uh, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, wherever it is, thank you for listening. Please give us a, uh, a review and a rating. That would be much appreciated. Uh, five-star uh, rating would be very much appreciated, and um, you know I'll go ahead and thank you for that now. And I wanted to go ahead and get that out of the way. This is the third episode of the Ticket Stubs Oktoberfest. On the first two episodes, I talked about uh, the Blair Witch Project and Blair Witch, um, which is the original and the direct sequel that came out in 2016. And then on the second episode, I talked about and reviewed The Exorcist from 1973. Obviously, the a uh, great classic movie, um, you know, one of the best horror movies ever made, um, and it, you know, certainly deserves uh, its place in that title. Um, and uh, yeah, so you can check those out on the channel if you want. Um, you know, just to get my thoughts on those movies, those were really fun to do. I enjoy this month. I enjoy doing this. You know, there's so many horror movies that I love. Um, so many movies in this genre that are fun to talk about, so um, I'm really enjoying it so far. Today, uh, I'm doing, I'm reviewing The Exorcist Believer, uh, which released this week, um, directed by David Gordon Green, um, who obviously, for those of you who have been living under a rock, uh, he did the Halloween trilogy, the recent Halloween trilogy, the Blumhouse trilogy, um, and... A lot of people have a lot of thoughts on it. <laughs> so uh, with this movie, I'm going to give you my thoughts. Um, and, you know, I'll go ahead and say this right off the top. And if you listen to the show regularly, you know this. I don't do non-spoiler reviews. So, um, you know, we're going to go heavy into spoiler territory in detail. So if you haven't seen the movie, you don't want to be spoiled. This is your fair warning now. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you that right off the top here. Um, you know, there's not going to be a, a non-spoiler review at the beginning of this or anything. It's going to be all spoilery. So just your heads up now. Um, I want to start off with my positives for the Exorcist Believer, because I think, I think, you know, based on, you know, what I've been thinking about when I, you know, was thinking about doing this review, I think it would just be easier to, to do that. Um, and my positives are this, um, Leslie Odom Jr. was really good in this movie. I think that, you know, his role as uh, Victor, the dad of Angela, I think that he was uh, fantastic. Um, you know, he felt like a, a really strong, caring father for this little girl, obviously going through a tragedy that we see at the beginning of the movie. I really liked the beginning of the movie. I liked the pacing. I liked 
um, you know, spending time with characters and, you know, getting to know them a little bit, although it wasn't for extremely long. You know, I really liked that. The scenes between him and uh, Lydia Jewett, who played uh, Angela, his daughter, were really good, really strong, um, really good character development. It did remind me in some ways of the original Exorcist and just a, you know, a, a parent and a child spending time together and just being a uh, family. And, and so, you know, really enjoyed that. Um, the first hour of this movie, very good, very solid, good pacing. I really like the um, the little wrinkle there of the girls being lost and the parents just kind of frantically trying to find them. I thought a lot of that played out really well. I thought that, um, you know, it was really engaging, um, especially when um, you're getting to the point where they're about being found and, the, and they get found and they go through this whole hospital sequence of being checked out and all this stuff. It was very good. It was very well done. I was engaged. Um, I really liked how they didn't show us much in the woods. I know some people have had some issues with that, but I really liked the mystery of it. You know, what did happen? What caused, you know, what caused us to get from point A to point B? Point A being the little girls are going into the woods and point B is them coming out of the woods possessed because we know they're possessed, right? We, we obviously know that, you know, that the movie is unfolding to kind of tell us that, but we know it, right? So I really appreciated how we got to point A, from point A to point B without um, explaining too much there. I know, again, some people have issue with that, but I really liked the mystery there. Um, Anne Dowd, who played the character of Anne, the next door neighbor to uh, Victor, um, I thought she was really good in this movie, really good character, Liked her a little bit of backstory there. Um, uh, Olivia O'Neill, who played Catherine. Uh, so I want to say this. Um, the little girls, I thought, were really good. I thought that they, uh, when they were possessed, had really good performances. Um, you could tell kind of the, the, the spirit of the direction that they were given, and I think they did a good job with it. Um, I do have some negatives about the, that character of, of Catherine and her family. And I, and I will get into those in the negatives, but I thought she was really, really good and creepy. I, I mean, I honestly mean that she was really good. She looks a lot like a seventies Linda Blair. And I think that's kind of one of the reasons why they chose her for the role. She looked very much like Reagan from the first movie, um, uh, before and after her possession, her possession. So you know, nevertheless, I thought she was very good in possessed form and, and good in non-possessed form. But again, we'll, we'll get into, you know, my negatives when we get into that part of it. Besides those characters, um, trying to think, um, I don't know that, you know, there's, there are a bunch of characters in this movie, but, um, you know, to be honest with you, the ones that I explained here is kind of the ones we spend some of the most time with, so it's a lot easier to pick them out. Uh, Ellen Burstyn as Chris McNeil, I thought she was good for what she was asked to do. I'll just put it that way. And again, I'll, I'll get into that a little bit more here in a minute. But I thought she was strong in what she was asked to do. I thought she did exactly what they asked her to do. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll get into that. 
Um, let's think. Other positives. Um, there was a scene right before the end of the movie, and this is obviously jumping forward a little bit, and again, spoilers here, but when Catherine kind of goes back to her non-possessed form and then it's seemingly dragged by these demons uh, to hell in the ground, I mean, in the ground, I guess, when she's has basically been given, given up or, you know, whatever, and she gets dragged down into that water. That was a really chilling scene, and it was kind of in a weird spot in the movie because of everything that was going on around it. That was, I thought that was a really strong addition um, and something that was uh, creepy. I think it's a little unfortunate where it, where it was at in the movie because of everything else going on around it, but um, I actually really liked that. Um, if there's any more positives, I'll think of them, but I, I can't really pull anything out of thin air right now. Let's get into some of the negatives. Um, okay, so the movie's going along. Like I said, the first hour, really strong. And then it gets to the point where the character of Anne brings up someone that she knows of because she's read the book, uh, who's went through a similar, who has went through a similar experience, uh, that these parents are going through. She brings this up to, uh, Victor and mentions that, you know, he should try to contact this person. And it turns out that it's Chris McNeil from, you know, from the original movie. And that is when he goes out to visit uh, the character of Chris and they sit down and they talk about her experience. And obviously she mentions that, um, you know, she has no contact with Reagan anymore and hasn't for years because of the book that she put out. Um, And so they've been estranged from each other. Uh, And, you know, she mentions that, um, you know, I think she's basically kind of, telling him she knows a lot about this stuff now after all this time she's researched a lot of it um and you know just kind of meeting each other now i've heard a lot of people say this is where the movie started going downhill and i'm going to disagree with with a lot of those people i'm 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 just going to tell you right now i'm in disagreement with a lot of them i i've heard a lot of things like forced nostalgia um, you know, just shoving this character in here to remind us that this is an exorcist movie. Listen, guys, I think that it's totally fine for this. I, I think that people are misplacing their anger a little bit here, um, saying that, you know, now we're just kind of going down the reboot or whatever recall nostalgia rabbit hole during this scene. I mean, guys, it's an exorcist movie. You know, if you're not going to have this, you know, a character like this be a part of it or try to connect it to that original universe in any way whatsoever, there was no point in this being an exorcist movie. You could just make your own exorcism movie that has nothing to do with the world of the exorcist, right? Um, And I don't think there was anything wrong with this particular scene. I think that it was okay to bring her character in the way they brought her in and say, look... I've read this book of this woman who has went through this similar experience with her child. Maybe we should call her up and get her her opinion on this. Maybe she can help us. I mean, that's logical. <laughs> that's 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 logical. She she is a person who's wrote a book. 
they have access to the book. They're going to call her up and say, hey, can you help us? I don't think that's forcing nostalgia. And I, I think that that's, if again, if you're going to make a movie within this universe, she's in this universe. And, and I think that it's perfectly okay to include that as part of your story if you're going to make an Exorcist movie, a direct sequel to The Exorcist. I think that that's okay to do that. Where I think people are really, or what I think they're really angry at, is the next part of the movie. And that's the part of the movie that I have a problem with as well. And that part is when she comes back with Victor they go to the house of the little girl, um, Catherine, who is the other little girl, because Victor's daughter is still in the hospital. Well, actually, I think she goes and visits. They go and visit Angela first, and, um, you know, it's just her kind of checking out the situation, and I didn't, you know, I could have taken her leave in that scene when she goes to visit Angela. But she... Excuse me. She then goes to visit Catherine at her home. And then for some weird reason, while he's downstairs, um, the character of Chris goes upstairs by herself. This, you know, 90-year-old woman goes up there to the bedroom of a possessed girl and begins, you know, talking to her, saying, you know, we've met before. And essentially kind of almost looks like she's beginning the process of trying to exercise the demon by herself out of this little girl. And then, of course, the the demon, the little girl, takes a metal cross and stabs her in both eye sockets. And, it, it, I mean, you could kind of see something like that coming a mile away. And uh, I thought she was going to die. I was very shocked that she lived. Um, but, I, again, I think this is kind of where people's anger is is uh should be placed but i i think they're kind of just miss they're kind of just casting out the, the character as a whole because of this and um really what i would say is that look if this is the whole reason you brought ellen burston into this movie it was just to do this my question is why what what was what was the point of that? I mean, you really could have just made the movie and not had her be a part of it if you were going to do that. Now, I wouldn't have done that because, you know, if you want to connect her, if she's willing to come back and you want to connect her uh, or, or add her character into the story and really connect, you know, the feeling of this movie to the original movie, I get that. I I would do I would do that too, but I wouldn't have done it in the way they did it where it's kind of like you brought her in and immediately stabbed her and put her in a hospital and she we don't see her again until like the end of the movie. I, I don't understand that. I don't understand where they were going with that. Now, for those of you who don't know, there are two more Exorcist movies to be made. This is a trilogy, guys. Uh, Blumhouse paid $400 million for this for this property. There, you know, <laughs> there could be more than two movies. I don't know why they paid that amount of money for this time, for this uh, for this license, but that's a, a different story for for another show. Um, so I don't understand what the point of that was. I don't. Did they bring her in just so that they could pop her into some trailers and help get butts in seats? Possibly. I don't really think so. I mean, 
in my personal opinion, I just, I, I don't really think so. But maybe, maybe they did. I don't know. Could have. Maybe they have plans for her going forward in these other two movies. I don't know. Maybe there's a reason they blinded her in a very violent way. Maybe that's going to factor into the next movie. I, I don't know. So it's hard for me to answer those kinds of questions. But I did think the movie kind of started to take a turn when that happened. Thought it, it went off the rails a little bit. You know, and then you get into the third act of the movie. And um, before I get there, I want to talk about some of the, the, the negatives that I kind of alluded to earlier with Catherine and her parents. The number one negative is they spent no time with that family. The The characters who na- whose names are uh, Tony, Miranda, uh, who are the two other parents, the parents of Catherine, the other possessed girl. We saw them at the church, which was a pretty good scene, but it was all in the trailer. So, you know, kind of ruined a lot of it. Um you had the scene with them fighting with Victor uh, over, you know, when their daughters are first lost, they're kind of fighting over, well, who are you? What's your daughter like? Well, I don't even know you. Who's your daughter? You know, and just kind of fighting because they're scared. So you see that, and then you see them sporadically throughout the movie, and then, you you know, they're in the third act pretty much the whole way through. But you there's no you don't care for these characters the same way you do for Victor and Angela because you don't spend any time with them and that's what I was talking about with Catherine she's really great as a possessed little girl i mean she was good in her regular form when she was just a normal little girl before she got possessed but it's really hard to expand on that too much because she's hardly in the movie I mean, we don't spend any time with them. And so that's kind of one of the problems with having two little girls and two families. There's a lot of screen time you have to take up to spend time and get to know these characters and do actual character studies like the original movie. And this movie failed to do that. I cared nothing about that other family. You know, I just... There wasn't a dynamic that I was following there because they weren't on screen enough i liked ann i like i said the next door neighbor i liked her i thought we spent a good amount of time with her you know but with the this other family you just didn't spend enough time with them and i think that really hurt the movie because i didn't care what happened to the little girl with angela i could feel you know myself caring a little bit more because of her father and 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 because of her and and their relationship but you know i just think the movie hurt itself by maybe putting too many characters in here honestly maybe that's the problem um but let's talk about the third act of this movie the exorcism my biggest problem with the third act and the exorcism of this movie is that it felt like they knew where they wanted the movie to end. Exactly. And I mean specifically where they wanted it to end. They wanted 
a choice between the two little girls. One's going to live. One's going to die. We, you know, we're going to let Angela live and her and Victor have this, you know, strong moment. And then, you know, in a dark way, we'll kill the other girl. And that's how our movie's going to end. The problem is, is it really didn't feel like they knew how they were going to get there. And there was a lot of weird pacing and editing issues in the end of this movie. There would be times when it looked like the exorcism was going to ramp up and there was a lot of possession, you know, demon stuff going on and they're speaking in these demonic voices, which, by the way, um, <laughs> their mouths did not match up timing-wise with what they were saying a lot of times. Really poor editing, you know, in some of those scenes. Um, but it would look like the exorcism was ramping up, and then all of a sudden, there would be a scene of the dad walking out to dump some sort of spirit water into the drain and then tell the priest that shame on him for not, you know, coming in here to help. Because the, here's another character in the movie, Father Maddox who is a Catholic priest who has been denied by the church to uh, perform an exorcism. So he's just sitting out in his car while this is going on. I guess, you know, I, I don't know why. And eventually he comes into the house and is killed within the first, you know, 30 seconds of him being in the house. Problem is, they're trying to play it off like this big, epic, sad thing. I don't care about Father Maddox. He's been in like two scenes prior. I don't even know the character. I don't care about him. You know? I cared about Father Karras in the first movie. Because a big part of the story had been focused on him. And his mother. And the relationship that they had. And building on that character. Again, slow burn character study. Did not care about Father Maddox in this movie. He just wasn't in the movie enough. But there's a lot of just random, out-of-place scenes in this movie. I mean, there's a scene where, you know, this priestess or whatever creates smoke out of the fire and it combines with this fume that comes out of the little girls. I mean, for seemingly no reason. It's They don't really even talk about it very much. <laughs> and I And I know I'm pointing out, like, some weird random stuff, but that's what I'm talking about. There's just this weird pacing and editing to the movie and it, it kind of feels like well where's the big climactic part of the movie coming i mean and where and by the time you the movie ends you're like i i don't even know what really went on there i mean i get it again the demons told them to make a choice well the dad finally gives in of of the, the dad of Catherine, i believe his name's tony finally gives in and says i choose you sweetie and then, of course, as I figured was going to happen, the twist is is that she still dies and the other girl lives. Which was, I mean, fine. That's a nice... I, I actually like the addition of the, you know, you have to choose one. And, you know, finally, they just kind of mentally break them down to one of the parents chooses one. Um, I actually like that. But the problem is that there was not much of a build-up to it, you know. It was just kind of a bunch of these weird things happening and... Um, and then we just got to the end of the movie. I don't know. It just, the pacing got off. It felt like they rushed into the exorcism part of the movie. Um, 
yeah, I, I don't know. It just did not have a... It felt as though... I'm, I'm going to give you this comparison. When I was in high school, a friend and I had a little business. And that little business was we borrowed our dad, one of our dad's uh, big lawnmower and one of the weed weed whackers, whatever, whatever you call them. People call it a different thing. Weed eater, uh, weed whacker, whatever. And we basically would contact businesses and say, hey, would you like for us to, you know, regularly mow your, your, your business, mow your lawn? And some would, some would sign a little contract with us and we'd go do that. And it was great money. It was a good little business we had when we were teenagers. We had this one business that was really large. It's a really, really large facility, had a lot of grass that had to be taken care of. And it took several hours. So we'd go like every Saturday or every other Saturday or whatever. And it would take like most of the day to completely mow this yard. Or this lawn, whatever. The thing was, is <laughs> like the first half of the, the the lawn, we would take our time. It would be really sharp cuts, you know, really making sure we've got the line straight. And then we'd get to the second half and we'd get really tired of, you know, and it would be hot, really hot most of the time. And then we would rush to get the second half done. And when then when the cut was done, you could go back and look at the whole the line as a whole and you could see the difference in between the first half and the second half. The second half was uh not as well cut. We had you know had drove over the lines a lot faster. If you mow a yard, you know what I'm talking about when you just kind of rush a cut. It doesn't look nearly as good. And we'd have to go back and redo it just to make sure that we didn't get you know, fired off of our contract or whatever. That is a pretty good comparison to what this movie is like. The first half felt like it was given so much um, thought and was really, you know, had a good pacing and had, you know, had a good feel and some actual creepiness to it at times. Um... And then the second half was like, okay, and now we just got to get to the end of the movie. And it felt super rushed. And pacing got off. Weird editing choices. Characters, things are happening to characters that are supposed to be big moments. But we just don't care about the characters because you didn't spend time with them. Some odd choices to put you know, certain scenes in certain places. Um, yeah, it, that's just kind of how the movie felt to me. Now, I say everything I've said to say this. I did act, I enjoyed the movie. I enjoyed watching it. I did not walk out of there thinking I hated that movie. Um, I just thought that the plan that they wrote out for this movie, I, I don't, I just don't think they thought that through well enough and just had enough story beats throughout this story. Um, and I do, and again I don't know what they're going to do for the the next movie or the one the last movie I don't know what their plan is so it's hard to say within the scale of their entire storyline between all three movies you know how much 
detail and care and effort they put into this movie, but it didn't seem like it was enough, to be honest. I, I think that I think that there were some some good ideas in this movie. But I don't think there were enough good ideas in this movie. And that's kind of what I'm getting at. Um, now, like I said, on Rotten Tomatoes, the critic score is at like a 23-22%. The fan score is like at a 55%. I'm way more on the like 55%. I think that if you had made me choose, I would say I would give this movie like a five out of a 10, which for me means that I can enjoy it enough to watch it. I can find things that I enjoy in the movie, but it's not a movie that I love. Um, it's not up there in the upper echelons of sequels for me or anything like that, but I didn't hate the movie. I didn't think that it, um, you know, killed the exercise, the, uh, exorcist franchise, which by the way, a sequel to a movie will never negate how I feel about the the movie that came before it, and I don't, I you know, I, that's something I don't identify with. I know some people say, "Well, you ruined this other movie for me." Well, you know that that's not how it works for me. This the, there there will never be an Exorcist movie that will come out that will affect my opinion of the original Exorcist, right? Um, it's just not like I did not like Halloween Ends at all. That does not affect my opinion of the original Halloween. It doesn't even affect my opinion of Halloween 2018. I really like Halloween 2018. Still do. You know, so um, that's just kind of how I am. And I know that people have differing opinions on that, but that's me. One thing that I will say that I appreciated about this movie is I thought it was going to be way more huge jump scare heavy. And it don't get me wrong, it did some of that stuff. This movie did a lot of the uh, assaulting of the senses that Blumhouse likes to do, uh, and a lot of newer horror movies like to do. And I talked plenty of about that in the the Exorcist uh, review. Um, but I didn't think it overdid it to a point where it made me want to get up and walk out like some of those other movies do. Um, you know, to me. The big, huge jump scares that just, you know, have loud noises and they get in your face and they do it every five minutes. That doesn't scare me. It just kind of pisses me off (laughs) because it's just like loud noises coming at you. And it's like, this isn't scary. This is just annoying. And uh, a lot of those movies just completely rely on that kind of stuff as their scary, as the scary part of their movies. Uh, I'll give this movie credit. They didn't overdo that stuff. Uh, they kept it, you know, they kept the numbers on that kind of low, uh, which I do appreciate. But, um, yeah, there are things to like about this movie. I'm very much interested to see what they're planning on doing with another movie. I mean, this movie didn't really end in a way that tells you that, uh, there are plans for a next movie. Uh, you know, I did not mention, you know, Linda Blair shows up you know, the very last scene of the movie. Reagan uh, shows back up and, you know, uh, finds her mother, uh, Chris, played by Ellen Burstyn. And that's like the last, you know, scene of the movie. Um, so, I mean, is Linda Blair going to be a part of the next movie? I don't know. I mean, I would assume so. I would assume that's what that is setting up. Because I'll be honest with you, if they start the very next ex- Exorcist movie and Ellen Burstyn's not a part of it, and Linda Blair's not a part of it, then I'm going to be like, well, what was all that stuff in the first movie for? I mean, what was the point of that besides 
just marketing material and being able to show Ellen Burstyn in your movie. I don't get it. I Again, I do not stand on the side of you shouldn't bring back legacy characters or whatever in a movie. I am absolutely on the side of if you're going to do it, make sure you have a good part in the story for them. You know, don't just throw them in there to throw them in there because that's not, that's a disservice to them, you know, in a way. Um, so maybe they'll find, or maybe they already have a good plan for those characters in the next movie. And, and that'll make us look back at this one and say, okay, well, I kind of understand that a little better now, but, um, I don't know. That's one of those things where you, you kind of have to wait and see. All in all, I went to the theater, I got some popcorn, I sat down, and uh, I, I, like I said, I enjoyed myself. I did. I, I, I did actually enjoy watching this movie. I just think that there were, uh, there were some odd choices in this movie, and I think that there were some, uh, some missteps in the way of pacing and editing and, uh, and story development. I think that, and, and character development, I think that there were some, some, some big missteps there. Uh, but, uh, all in all did I come out super excited and wanting to turn around and go back and watch this movie again? No, not really. Uh, you know, to be honest with you, I might see it one more time before it leaves theaters, but, um, you know, it's not a movie that I'm going to, you know, want to hearken back to every Halloween or anything like that. Um, which is, um, unfortunate, but Hey, I'm rooting for the next sequels. I'm always rooting for them. Uh, I'm not sure what Blumhouse's, yeah, what their plan is, um, to try to capitalize on, you know, having this license right now and the money that they paid for it. I still don't understand why they paid that much money for this, but, um, I am at least halfway excited to see what their plans are. I hope they, yeah, I hope they don't run this into the ground. I'm rooting for them. I'm truly rooting for them. I want to see some good Exorcist movies. So, you know, we will wait and see what happens. But for now, you know, I think David Gordon Green's got some, he's got some things to work out. And so we'll see what he does with that. Um, all right, guys, that has been my review of The Exorcist Believer. Please continue to stay tuned for the Ticket Stubs Oktoberfest. I'll have more movie reviews, more horror movie reviews coming out this month. So uh, make sure to check all of those out. Uh, but for now, I'm Andy and I have been your host and I have surely enjoyed it. And we'll catch you guys next time.